Well, good morning. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians in chapter 2. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 15 this morning, uh, but we'll begin by reading verses 1 through 15, just to recap on what we've already looked at. So Colossians in chapter 2. And beginning in verse number one. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Uh, so last time I spoke, we looked at verses uh, 4 through 8. Uh, and just to recap on a few of the points that, that I made, uh, the first main point we looked at uh, was that we have deception all around us, uh, some of it obvious, some of it more subtle. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 that through having a firm understanding of the gospel and having confidence in it, having proved it through actions in their life, the church will be protected from being deceived. Not that they won't face deception and plausible arguments, but, they won't, but that, that they won't be led astray by it. Uh, the second point we looked at was that we need to be firm in our faith in Christ. What a person believes is not a matter of indifference, but a question of supreme importance. We must have a clear, definite belief. And it's a statement that Paul has made many times already through the book to this point. And we also looked at the fact that Uh, There appears to have been two sources of danger to which the Colossian Christians were exposed and to which Paul in these verses writes, uh, although he doesn't distinguish them. One was coming from the Greek philosophy, the other from Jewish opinions. Jewish opinions are what he refers to in verse 8 when he says, according to human tradition. The Jews depended on tradition a lot and many of those traditions would uh, would have tended to corrupt the gospel of Christ. Uh, Also in that verse, I mentioned the elemental spirits of the world, uh, which we saw are not the four elements of earth or the worship of the sun, moon and stars, which was common among the Gentiles, 
uh, but it's the ceremonial law of the Jews, which were elemental and rudimentary to their religion. And, then, and though they were pretty much the ABCs to them, uh, when they were children they were useful, but now under the Gospel and the New Testament they were weak and useless, not to be continued. And so it's with this context that we pick up in verse number 9, which says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Uh, Let's just pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this uh, place where we can come and meet uh, together to sing songs of worship to you, Lord, to look into your word. I just pray that as we uh, do look into your word, that you would uh, guide each one, that the Holy Spirit would convict uh, each of us in a way uh, that is necessary for us, that we would uh, be willing to be changed and moulded by you, Lord, to be... Uh, as a result, more Christ-like and that we would be uh, looking into these things, remembering them throughout the week until uh, we meet again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So Colossians 2 and verse number 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This verse is directly opposed to the vain or empty doctrine of the Gentile and Jewish philosophers, uh, which we talked about a minute ago. There is a fullness in Christ which fills the empty, destitute state of the human soul. But in the philosophy of the Jews and Gentiles, nothing like this was found. And in the more refined and corrupted philosophy of our present day, it still isn't found. No substitute has ever been found for the grace of the Lord Jesus. Though many have searched, spent their whole lives in pursuit for one and have fallen short. The word deity shows the state or being of the divine nature and by extension of that, the infinite attributes essential to such a nature. Uh, The word bodily signifies truly or really, as opposed to typically or figuratively. Uh, There was a symbol of the divine nature in the Hebrew tabernacle and in the Jewish temple. These were the typical or the types or figures figuratively. Uh, But this is saying that in the body of Christ dwelt really and literally the divine nature. Paul makes sure to state these core truths bluntly as they were what was under attack from many other beliefs. Verse 10 says, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In other words, Paul is saying they have no need of any help from the philosophy of the Greeks or the traditions of the Jews. All that is necessary to secure your salvation is to be found in the Lord Jesus. There is a completion or a filling up in him that leaves nothing wanting. We know that we have everything we need in Christ, wisdom to guide us, atonement for sin, justification, grace to sustain us in trials and to help us in our daily life. There is no necessity that we should look to the aid of philosophy as if there was a defect in the teachings of the Saviour or to human strength as if Christ were unable to save us or to the merits of a Christian as if the merits of the Redeemer were not sufficient to meet all our needs. This is what Paul says to the church and what he has said before. They have everything they need in Christ. Verse 11 of Colossians 2 reads, In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That is, the circumcision made in the heart by the turning from sin. The Jewish teachers insisted on the necessity of the literal circumcision in order for salvation. And that's why this subject is so often introduced into the writings of Paul. And he goes to great lengths to show that by believing in Christ, 
all, all was obtained which was required in order to be saved. Circumcision was an ordinance which showed that all sin was to be cut off or renounced and that he who was circumcised was to be devoted to God and to a holy life. All this, the apostle says, was obtained by the gospel and as a result they had all that was denoted by the ancient rite of circumcision. What we as Christians have obtained relates to the heart. It is not a mere ordinance pertaining to the flesh. Now the verse says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, not meaning by the fact that Christ was circumcised, but that we have the kind of circumcision that which Christ established, the kind which refers to the removal of sin. Now the idea of Paul saying this is that since we have been enabled by Christ to turn from sin and to devote ourselves to God, we should not be persuaded by any plausible arguments to return to an ordinance of the flesh, as if that were needful for salvation. The next verse, verse 12, says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Paul goes on to observe how complete and perfect the saints are in Christ, that they are not only circumcised in him in a spiritual sense, and the body of the sins of their flesh is put off and removed from them, but that they and all their sins were buried with Christ, of which their baptism in water was a representation. Christ, having died for their sins, was laid in the grave where he stayed for a while and then rose again. And as they were crucified with him, they were also buried with him. Not only buried, the verse says, you were also raised with him. Christ is risen from the dead as the head and representative of his people. And they are risen with him. <clears throat> Baptism is an emblem of, of this and their resurrection. The coming out of the water represents Christ rising from the dead and us in him in order to walk in the newness of life. In baptism, we are buried with Christ and risen with him. And the verse says, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Just as we believe that Jesus Christ rising from the dead was God working powerfully, we should just as firmly believe that our own repentance and salvation from sin is not a powerful work of ours, but a powerful work of God. Uh, looking at verses 13, 14, uh, and 15 together, they read, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In these three verses, uh, Paul shows the privileges that we as Christians have above the Jews. Firstly, number one, Christ's death is our life. Uh, two in verse 13, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. A state of sin is a state of spiritual death. Those who are in sin are, are dead in sin, as the death of the body consists in its separation from the soul, so the death of the soul consists in its separation from God. As the death of the body is the corruption and decay of it, so sin is the corruption or deprivation of the soul. As a man who is dead is unable to help himself by any power of his own, 
so a sinner is morally powerless, unable to please God. Secondly, through him we have the remission of sin. Uh, It says, having forgiven us all our trespasses. This is us being made alive. The pardon of the crime gives life to the criminal. And this is owing to the resurrection of Christ, as well as his death. Uh, As Romans 4.25 says, As he died for our sins, so he rose again for our justification. Thirdly, he has obtained a glorious victory for us over the powers of darkness. Verse 15 reads, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. As the curse of the law was against us, so the power of Satan was against us. Out of the hands of Satan and our flesh he redeemed us. Satan and all the powers of hell were conquered and disarmed by the dying Redeemer. His crown of thorns turned into a crown of laurels, the Redeemer conquered by dying. And the extent of this redemption is found back in verse number 10, uh, which says, And you have been filled in him. Filled means complete. And as a concluding thought, I'd like to look at about a dozen verses, uh, which all show the extent of which Jesus healed physical sickness on earth. And this can give us an idea of the extent of our spiritual redemption. So you can try and follow me in your Bible, but uh, we'll be going through quite a few verses, so you might have to be a sword drill champion to keep up. Uh, But anyways, beginning in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 22, uh, it says, But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Matthew 12 and 13. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Matthew fifteen twenty-eight. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Fifteen thirty-one. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Mark 5.28. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And in 34, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Luke chapter 6 and verse 10. And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Luke 7 and verse 10. And they that were sent... Returning to the house, <clears throat> found the servant whole that had been sick. Uh, Luke eight forty eight, And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Luke 17, verse 9. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. John chapter 5 and verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And in verse 14, behold, uh, Jesus says, behold, thou art made whole. And a couple from Acts, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, 
by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. So what we see in these verses is the consistency in the style of healing that Jesus did. When Jesus healed somebody, he made them whole, uh, which means entirely well, no missing parts. There are some synonyms used in these various verses, but the main term, term is the word hugai, from which we get the medical term hygiene. And it means healthy. Jesus made them healthy or sound. The best translation is entirely well. The absence of any sickness. All the healing miracles of Jesus made people completely healthy. There was no progression involved. They were whole instantly. And this is a good picture of the way Jesus heals spiritually. If Jesus heals physical illness and makes people entirely whole, then that is precisely what is meant by the Apostle Paul in chapter 2, verse 10, when he says, and you have been filled in him. You can replace the word filled with made whole. Just as Jesus Christ did miracles of healing that made people entirely well, so when Jesus touches a life spiritually and gives salvation, it is entire salvation. It is whole salvation. Uh, That person becomes spiritually entirely well. And this is summed up when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we were saved, we were made completely whole in Christ. We weren't partially healed or saved from a few sins. We were brought from death to life, from darkness to light. And I'll close by reading Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 5, uh, which says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ.